was true. We are so blessed to know Jesus as our Saviour, as our King, to know His presence with us and to know that He longs to speak to us today through His Word as we want to open our hearts to Him now. And we are really blessed to have Pastor Peter, our founding pastor, sharing with us today. So I'd love it if you could make Peter feel really welcome as he comes to bring God's Word with us. Let's welcome him together. Thanks, Nathan. And good morning, church. It's terrific to have you with us this morning and others that might be joining us um, in this particular service today. About 12 months after the planning of this church in 1992, I was in a, a seminar with a group of pastors and we were talking about church planting. And in the midst of the dialogue that went on that particular day, someone asked me the question, as a new young church planter, they said, um, Peter, um, how many people have come to know Jesus um, over the past 12 months of the church? And um, as I thought about it, I, I knew the answer and I knew what the Bible said in the commandments about not telling any lies either. So I had to humbly fess up that no one had come to know Jesus in the past 12 months. And then the person that asked me the question then followed up with another question. He said, well, what's the point of you planting a church if no one's coming to know Jesus? There's other churches around there. Why, why, why be involved in that? Um, I remember the really, really um, sick feeling that I had as I drove home after that <laughs> meeting with a group of pastors. And, and the questions were going through my mind. Well, Lord, am I, am I really in the right place where you want me to be? Um, you know, what am I doing wrong that um, no one has come to faith yet? Um, and that, that sense of feeling small in the eyes of others. And it wasn't just actually on the way home, but, but it was a whole season of despondency that marked um, this period of my life as everything seemed so hard, um, so small, um, so seemingly fruitless. There, there can, of course, be many reasons which take us to places where life feels futile or, or empty, where joy is diminished or, or, or lost, and God doesn't seem to be doing much to help. In fact, it can seem quite different, distant at, at, at times such as that. That was a bit of my own experience. Last week, Jen Tedman Jones was baptised by Pastor Jody and Kerry Blenko in the freezing waters of the Shorncliff Pier. It was very, very cold. We have a photo, in fact, of them in the distant. Uh, you can uh, see that it was all, they were in their wetsuits ready to, um, um, to be baptised. And Jan actually had prepared a story for this occasion. And um, it tells her journey. And I want to read some parts of it to you this morning. It began um, as a young teenager, um, Janet, 15 years of age. She committed a life to Christ, but through a set of circumstances, she had drifted away from her early beginnings and, and she remained in, a, in that place for 40 years of her life, quite a significant period of time. Jan wrote this, I stopped attending church. I pursued life my way, not God's, and was increasingly mix, mixing in circles of non-believers. The only time I, I reached out to God was when I faced a problem. And then as soon as he resolved it, I just moved on again. Jan also spoke about what she used to do to bring some relief in the pressures of everyday life. I was an avid reader. 
That was one of my greatest pleasures in life. Fiction, feel-good books, I consumed them. 2010, she wrote, had been a tough year for me and my family. Some emotional roller coasters. Anyway, books let me escape the problems and loneliness that I felt. Maybe you can remember a season where life seemed difficult for you. One from my life, one from Jan's life, where things were empty. Maybe it was your own failure or your distancing from God. Maybe it was the rejection or injury done by others, including people in churches. Maybe it was the loss of someone close to you, which left you thinking, what's the value of life? And maybe as it appeared to you, God himself had done some of the letting down. This might not be a season that you just remember this morning. It, for some, you could be right, right there yourself this very day. I'm raising this issue about the seasons of emptiness in life because that's where the Bible series that we're in the middle of this, um, at, at the moment, that's where it began. Naomi, a, a Jewish girl, living in Bethlehem, had found a good husband and they'd been blessed with two sons. Things going well for them, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, but due to a serious famine in Judah, they needed to relocate to Moab, a nearby country where they lived for a number of years. However, very sadly, in their adopted country, Naomi's husband Elimelech passed away and then tragically both her sons, now married to Moabite girls, also died. She decided to return to Israel and on her arrival back to her Jewish hometown, Bethlehem, with her Moabite daughter-in-law, Ruth, this is how she described her life. Don't call me Naomi, she wrote in chapter one, verse 20. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very better. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Lord has brought misfortune upon me. The book of Ruth begins with a really clear complaint by Naomi about the circumstances of her life. I'm very bitter. I'm empty. I'm marked by misfortune. I'm not sure if you can remember such a season or, or whether you are in one like that right now, but there's a biblical truth that I want you to hear this morning. I want you to hear this again and again, in fact, this morning. It's found in the book of Ruth and it's repeated over and over again in the Bible. Emptiness, despair and bitterness is never where life ends when you look to God, even if you think that God was the one who was responsible for your misfortune and emptiness. This morning, I don't wanna reflect so much on the theological questions relating to God and suffering, but, but rather on, on how we are moved from the empty places of life to those that are filled with the abundance and the joy and the blessing um, um, to God. Last week in chapter two of Ruth, we saw where the renewing of Naomi's empty heart began. It was actually in the providence of God himself. The laws that God had instituted for the Israelite nation was that landowners were required to leave stalks of grain at the edge of their fields so that those with little could follow the harvesters and collect what was missed. It was a ancient form of job seeker. So food could be provided for those that were in need. The providence 
of God in these particular circumstances lay in the choice of the field that daughter-in-law Ruth went to gleaning. This is what we read in verse three of Ruth chapter two. As it turned out, Ruth found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. That was the very clan which Naomi had married into. Now that verse, as we heard last week, does not sound very amazing, but the as it turned out or as it happened is a Hebrew word that literally reads chance, chanced. It's a literary device which exaggerates the irony of the encounter. The words here actually are shouting to the reader that this is not some random piece of good luck, but the very opposite. This choice of field was overseen by God Himself. God was beginning His amazing plan to renew Naomi's heart. The filling of despondent, empty lives, it it always begins in God. Some of these beginnings, of course, can seem very, very small, almost insignificant, but in God, they have enormous and wonderful ramifications. Now, if you're thinking to yourself at the moment, well, what does this sort of look like? You know, does it happen in, in life today? Well, let me read a little bit more of Jan's story to you this morning. Now, remember, Jan was using feel-good books to help her escape from some of the problems and the, and the loneliness that she felt. Then she wrote this. One day I ran out of books and a thought popped into my head. That's exactly how it happened. They're the words she used. The thought was something like, what about those little Christian books? I remember going downstairs and rummaging through my wardrobe and found two small books, real life stories of two Christians about their amazing conversions and subsequent life changes. I had barely got the first book underway when memories and desires came flooding back. By the end of the first book, it was as if Jesus was there in the room and my life has never been the same since. What's amazing is that I wasn't looking for Jesus at the time, but I know that a cousin and probably others had been praying for some time for me and just, hear this, and just when I was at a low point, God stepped in with His eternal rescue plan. She went on. Shortly after finishing the second book, I was prompted to go down to an op shop in search of an item I'd been looking for. But before reaching that particular section, I saw a collection of books. And there on the shelf, the very first book I picked up was Billy Graham's book, How to Be Born Again. I knew then that God was leading me, that it was not just a coincidence. I became obsessed with God. I recommitted my life to Him, several times in fact. Cried buckets for weeks, it seemed. I was so conscious of all my sins and the waywardness of my past behaviour. Even when I was watching TV or talking with my family, it was as if Jesus was standing in the room. Did you get those two as it turned out moments which initiated this renewal of faith in Jan's life? One day she runs out of her feel-good reading material and then suddenly she remembers two little Christian books. Her words, that's exactly how it happened. Exactly. Then she off to the op shop for something and she spots a Billy Graham book, How to Be Born Again. And get this, it's from the very man whom God had used to lead her own parents to faith 51 years earlier. 
Incredible, isn't it? Jan's words again. I knew then that God was leading me, that it was not just a coincidence. Now, if you're wondering whether God really wants us to set up an op shop, have you been thinking about that, church? Well, wonder no more. <laughs> wonder no more. And there better be a book section in our, in our op shop, that's for sure. And Godspeed to all those that are working on it at this very moment of time. God has got plans as it turned out moments for our op shop, I can assure you. But there was one more as it turned out moment in Jan's story I have to relate to you. It was when Jan and her husband went looking for a church to join. This is what she wrote. I wanted to go to church, but didn't really know which one to pick. Each time I tried, I either got the times wrong or something else blocked me. At my husband's suggestion, we happened to drive into Bridgie. Up until then, I didn't know anything about this church. It was the 10 o'clock service and it had just started and there were no car parks left. But immediately, before we had time to change our minds, a car backed out and we drove straight in. I'm without a doubt that God orchestrated the whole thing. You know, think about this for a moment. How amazing is it that just by backing your car out at Bridgman, I know we're not doing that at the moment, but God willing soon again, by backing your car out, you can be part of a God orchestrated plan, which in this particular case has led Jan on a journey which resulted in her baptism this very last week. Incredible, isn't it? God, he's working all the time. He's initiating, restoring works in people's lives right now, in fact. It's not by chance. I want you to understand this. It's not by chance that you are listening to this word today because God wants to fill your life with his blessing and his joy. Listen to why Jesus came. This is why it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. These are Jesus' words. Listen to this from Luke 4, 18 and 19. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to reclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus again, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures say, streams of living waters will flow from within him, within her. The renewing, the filling work of God, it begins with him and he delights in arranging circumstances to to lead us into places of overwhelming joy and blessing. But there are also things for us to do on this journey to that leads to this renewed life and blessing that I, that I wanna reflect on for a few moments from chapter three of Ruth. There are three characters, there are three key, three characters in the book of Ruth. And in particularly, we see it in this next section of the story. And they, they all play a part in God's master plan. As we look at what each did, I, I just want you to be alert this morning, church, and those that are listening here to, to any Thing that the Holy Spirit may be prompting you to do to this very day. We, we, we've got to be alert. We, we're listening to the Holy Spirit as we're listening to His Word this morning. Let me read about Naomi's actions first of all. It says this, chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Ruth's mother in law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you. 
where you will be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the um, the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Now, if you're not sure what all those verses are about, let me put it in the very simplest language. Mother-in-law Naomi was arranging for daughter-in-law Ruth to propose marriage to family relative Boaz. That's the simplest I can, I can get it for you. Despite her own sad losses in life, Naomi was concerned about Ruth's future and, and the security that would be provided if, if, if Ruth was to marry. Now, the awareness that, that Boaz was a relative, well, that in fact increased the likelihood there of a favourable outcome. Better than if it was someone from another clan somewhere or other. Family clan, prospects go up. Maybe Naomi had seen the special favour that Boaz um, had been giving Ruth as she gleaned in the fields, a positive sign. Maybe there's a bit of special interest in daughter-in-law Ruth here at the moment. And certainly Naomi's knowledge of proposal practices in Jewish culture, a little bit different to ours, I understand that, that this would in fact be the ideal moment to set the wheels in motion. And that's what she did for this to be a successful plan. (laughs) Naomi's concern for her daughter-in-law, you see, it takes it out of her self-absorption and helps her to see some circumstances which point to the possibility of a wonderful provision for Ruth. So Naomi seizes the day, or maybe it might be better to say seizes the night and sends Ruth out on a rather risky, somewhat risky course of action to determine if Boaz would be willing to marry a poor, widowed Moabite woman. As Naomi looks beyond herself, as she looks beyond the emptiness and the misfortune that had marked her life, she begins participating actually in nothing less than a plan of God himself. And and God's plans, just hear this again this morning, they always have guaranteed amazing endings that bless everyone that's involved. There are some listening today and you've been in the ringer or you're still right in the ringer in fact, but there are actions that you need to initiate for the welfare of someone else. Well, Jesus' Spirit is calling you this morning to seize the day. Hear that, someone. I know this is for someone. You need to seize the day, even in the difficulty of your own circumstances. This is not a time to wait. It's a time to initiate action and see what God's plan you may well be caught up in. That's for someone today. The second character to think about for a moment is Ruth. Her mother-in-law had just asked to get involved in a, in a somewhat risky plan to get Boaz to commit himself to marrying her, the poor foreign widow. And there was potential for things to go wrong here. There was. The proposal could be made and Boaz could laugh at her request for marriage, painting her as someone trying, you know, to climb the social ladder, you know, get the hooks into the old rich guy, something like that. Or even worse, 
Boaz could take advantage of the situation with a woman alone in the middle of the night. These events, remember, are occurring in the time of the judges, which ends with these words, everyone did what they saw as fit, that they saw, that they saw fit. Listen to what Ruth said in reply to Naomi's instructions and what she did. Listen, verse five. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything, everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile, some more of God's arrangement, of course. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. God's plans to fill empty people, it so often involves someone willing to take courageous, obedient action. An angel comes to the Virgin Mary and in reply, she says, may it be to me as you have said. Jesus speaks to Levi, follow me. And Levi, Levi got up and followed him. Jesus said to Ananias, go to Straight Street and pray for Saul from Tarshish. And he went to the house and entered it. There are some listening today and God's Spirit is calling you, maybe through others, to engage in courageous, obedient action. Actions which have the potential, possibly, to bring rejection and, and misunderstanding and even danger to you. But think about this, what a blessing. What a blessing the story of Ruth turned out to be, as we'll hear more next week. Incredible blessing. What about the blessing of Mary, the mother of Jesus to our world? The blessings of the disciples who were faithful to the calling that Jesus had given and it's why we have the gospel in our nation today. The apostle Paul, the writer of half the New Testament. What incredible blessings have flowed. If Jesus is sending you on mission today, don't delay, don't delay. Because someone, someone and maybe many people are going to be blessed beyond anything that you can ever imagine. Our final character, Boaz, the wealthy older relative. Well, what's gonna be his reaction to Ruth's proposal to marry her? Well, let me read from verse 10. This is what he said. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, then let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here till morning. Now you're gonna to have to tune in to next week to hear more about the enormous significance concerning the role of the kinsman redeemer and, um, or, or as it's translated in the latest version of NIV, the guardian redeemer of our family. But there is such, such honour in this response from Boaz. 
He commences by just blessing Ruth, calls her his daughter, blessings. And then he speaks about Ruth's character, her, her loyalty to Naomi and staying with her, that earlier kindness, and, and then not chasing after a young husband. So she'd be loyal and faithful to Naomi. He further compliments Ruth by calling her a woman of, of noble character. She's a Proverbs 31 woman. He then honestly explains that someone else within the family clan has a higher responsibility than him to potentially marry. So he's truthful about the circumstances. But then he says this, if it doesn't eventuate, he ends up saying, there's a, there's a promise here. It's a promise to marry. Now, this guy may be a little bit older. I know that. But this guy's a keeper. He's a keeper. He's a keeper, this guy. Honourable men and women who delight in blessing others, honouring the actions and the, and the reputations of others, staying loyal and truthful in family relationships, keeping promises to love and remain faithful, guarding and providing for others. They are used by God to fill life after life after life with the joy of heaven. And, and that's our calling church. And He has plans for every one of us. So the blessings of heaven will roll down again and again and again on the lives of those that are empty and barren. There's one more section of Jan's story I wanna share, which illustrates so beautifully what happens when we do honour God with our lives. Listen to this. After rededicating my life to God, we've heard about that. I developed new desires and a new boldness and started sharing with my elderly dad who had gone through many serious health problems and was grieving for my mum who was totally incapacitated in a nursing home, a dad that was in his own difficult circumstances. Jan went on, it, it had been a long time since dad had regularly attended church, but before long he agreed to come to an Easter service with my husband and I. From that point on, dad was reading his Bible again. In fact, he read through the entire Bible three times before he went to be with the Lord. He would talk to the Holy Spirits throughout his daily activities and once again started leading others to the Lord in mum's nursing home. God's obvious presence in my father's life caused my faith to grow and increase my desire to keep sharing God's love with others. This this isn't just Jan being filled with the joy of Jesus. But now it's Jan's dad being filled with the joy of Jesus and then revival bursting out in a nursing home. And I also just need to mention something else. Um, alongside Jan in the baptism, down by the Sean Cliff Pier earlier this week, her son David was also baptised by Pastor David Twig. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Chapter three of Ruth ends with Ruth returning home the next morning and Naomi asks the obvious question, well, how did it go with Boaz? And this is what the author writes. Ruth then told her everything Boaz had done for her and, and added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law, get these words, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed the emptiness that had marked Naomi's life when this book opened 
is now being increasingly filled with the abundant provision of all Naomi needs and, and more, much more. A divine plan was coming to fruition as we'll, we'll see next week. We've come to the culmination of this terrific book. A culmination which would fill Naomi with so much joy and cause her to be included in something that she could never, ever have imagined on that day when she said, the Lord has brought me back empty. In a moment, we're going to sing the song that the band taught us earlier in the service because I, I just sense that this is, a, this is a day. This is a day, church. And those others that are listening in, this is a day when Jesus wants to begin filling lives where the circumstances are difficult, where, where things feel empty for you, where there's a despondency or a burden. Jesus wants to begin some things today. I know that. He's began some things for Jan so many years ago now, the, ten, the decade or so ago, where beautiful things began. And for many others listening today, the Holy Spirit has plans. Just hear this. I pray you're hearing them well clearly this morning. The Holy Spirit has plans to use you to be a conduit of His blessing. Blessings that will turn graves into gardens, mourning into dancing and shame into glory because that's how things always end in God. It's true, you know, there's no one better than Him. This is what our God specialises in. But before we sing this song, I thought it'd be, it'd be great if we could just hear from some words from Jan herself this morning. So I invited her to come in and, and just share the last little bit of her testimony with us this morning. So Jan, um, come and join us here. It's terrific to have you sharing with us this morning. It's been a beautiful story. So just, just in your own words, come and share the last little part with us. That'd be terrific. Thanks, Jan. Some of the most important lessons I have learned in my journey have been to live each day being grateful being thankful and to make intentional decisions to praise God regardless of my problems or how I feel and to expectantly watch for his answers. Hence, the practice of journaling has become a vital part of my relationship with God. This practice has brought alive to me the scripture in Matthew 6 verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto me. It is true, God is faithful to his word. And it amazes me what happens, how God moves when I seek to put him first. I don't always find it easy, but I do believe that a thankful heart and praising him is the way to grow closer to God. I have discovered that living for Jesus is not about the do's and the don'ts associated with religion. From the moment I turned back to God, I started having new desires. I believe God made me new inside and continues to change the desires of my heart as I seek to draw closer to him. So I cling to God's promise in Philippians 1 verse 6 that he who began the good work within me will carry it on to completion until the day when Christ returns. I'm a work in progress, that's for sure, but it's a great way to live and I recommend it. 
Well, nearly 10 years ago, Jesus transformed my life and he continues to do so. So last Saturday, as a step of obedience, in accordance with his word, I was baptised in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, I was making a public acknowledgement that I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Saviour, who through his sacrifice on the cross that first Easter over 2,000 years ago paid the ultimate price for all of my past, present and future sins. By his amazing grace, I am not only forgiven, but according to his word, I am also promised eternal life with him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Oh, come on, church. We need to give some praise and thanks to God. Beautiful, Jan. Thank you so much for sharing so much with us, actually, this morning. I want to pray now. Will you join me as we pray together? Oh, Lord, we're just giving you all the honour this morning. There's no one like you, Lord, in the heavens and the earth. There's no one better than you. Thanks for your amazing work in Jan's life. Thank you for your amazing work in a dad's life, Lord, and a son's life. Oh, I just keep doing all the wonderful things, Lord, of letting blessing after blessings float, Lord. Oh, great God, you are the one who does turn, Lord, graves into gardens and you turn mourning into dancing and shame, Lord, our shame into glory. There is no one like you. Come, Holy Spirit, we would pray. Do this, Lord, in lives this very morning, we would pray. By sovereign circumstances, our great God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, organised circumstances, we would pray, Lord, that would initiate and begin, Lord, the works that we've heard of this morning in Jan's life, Lord. May that be in many, many more, Lord, we would pray this very day. Oh, great God, we're looking to You, Lord. Our eyes are on You. Come, You're the one who fills the empty, Lord fills them full to overflowing. We've heard that from Jan's heart, Lord, this morning. I know in my own heart, and we're praying that, Lord, for our community. We're praying it, Lord, for those who visit the op shop. We're praying it, Lord, for those, Lord, who listen in to this service this very morning. Oh God, come, unfold Your divine plans, we would pray. All Your purposes for this city and nation and world of ours. For Your honour and glory, we pray these things this morning. And may You find us an obedient people, we pray. In Jesus' holy and precious Name, Amen, Amen. We're gonna sing a song. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. You might need to dance if you're at home there, but come on, this is terrific. Let's honour our great King, the one who takes graves and turns them into gardens. In Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. That is so true, so true. He is the only one who can. He is the hope for the world. He is the hope for each and every person. And I wanna say to you today, if you've been linking in with us, you've sensed God speaking to you, speaking right into the situation, the circumstances of your life. You'll know that, you'll sense that within your heart. Maybe you can connect with Jan's story. Maybe that's your story today. Well, I really wanna encourage you, if God is calling you to Him, Jesus is calling you to come, come into His presence today, then I wanna encourage you to make that step of faith today. And the way you can do that is to actually click on the Respond to Jesus button, which is on your um, platform, whichever platform you're linking in there, just to click on that Respond to Jesus link. Do that right now. I wanna encourage you to do that. Take that step of faith. And by doing that, Uh, We'll be able to have an opportunity just to encourage you, to share some information with you. 
uh, to pray for you as well. But this is a really important moment. These are holy moments when we sense the living God speaking to us. So I wanna encourage you to respond. If God is speaking to you, click on that link. And I wanna pray right now and ask God just to bless us as we conclude our time together. Let's pray together. Well, Lord, we thank You, it's true. You are the hope of the world, Lord. You can change and transform circumstances, turning situations around, situations which seem hopeless. Great God, You love to come and reveal Your glory and Your power and Your love. And so, Lord, I wanna pray for those particularly who You're speaking to today, Lord, that You'll help them just to respond in faith to You, that they will know, Lord, Your presence, Your peace with them right now in this moment. And for each and every one of us, Lord, we thank You. We thank You for these truths, Lord, which are just being revealed to us afresh today. And Lord, I wanna pray Your blessing on each and every one tuning in now. We pray this in Jesus' Name, Amen. Well, thanks so much for linking in with us today. Don't forget our service tonight at 6 p.m. You're so welcome to link in with us again as well. But we look forward to connecting with you again soon. Well, it's been great to join together today. If you've sensed God speaking to you across this service and you'd like to know a little bit more about what that might mean for you, we'd love to connect with you and you can email hello at bridgman.org.au and someone will get in touch with you. Or again, if you have a need in your life, we as a church would love to stand with you in that by prayer. You can email a request for prayer through to prayer at bridgman.org.au. It's been great to connect with you here today and we look forward to doing that again shortly.